Good morning. Good morning. Rabotai, breakfast today is sponsored Leilui Nishman Natan Ben Rachel by the Marcus family. One of the most famous exchanges happens today in this week's parasha between Moshe Rabbeinu and Paro. Moshe says, how could it be that Paro will hear me? And I, I am someone who has a speech impediment. Now, I always ask what I think is the most obvious question in the world. And I mean no disrespect with this, so pardon me uh, in advance. I want you to imagine that, God forbid, one night you're sitting in your bed. And all of a sudden you hear the sound of breaking glass. She befledged. You go downstairs, you pad your way slowly down the thing, or if you're in Manhattan, to the other room, right? If you're in a studio, you just get out of bed and you're in the same room. And you walk towards the sound of the breaking glass and all of a sudden your head hits something very hard and round and circular. And there's nothing supposed to be in that place in your room. So you take your phone out and you put the flashlight on and you shine the flashlight and what do you see? There's a gun pointing directly into your temple. Could you imagine? No. All of a sudden, this guy wielding the gun, of course, we're not uh, making any comments on his race, on his creed, where he comes from. This is not a, a racist thing. You, you, you look at this guy and you say, what do you want? And the guy says to you, do you want your money or your life? And you say, of course, my life. He says, so go get every single thing in this entire apartment and put it in my briefcase. <laughs> Do you take him less seriously because he has a lisp? What's Moshe Rabbeinu saying to Paro? He says to God, I can't speak to Paro, I have a speech impediment. Who cares? You're about to upend his entire country. You're about to strike the rivers with blood, bring reptiles onto the shore, uh, plague the entire place with kinim, with uh, uh, bugs and, and wild animals, everything at will, by the way. Moshe's like, okay, this week, he was the worst weatherman ever. You know, he comes in, you know, normally they're like, there's going to be winds from the east. Moshe Rabbeinu was like, death is going to come in at midnight. You know, there's going to be no drinking water. Is Paro going to give one hoot over the fact that he has a speech impediment. Why is that relevant at all? It's amazing, you go through your life learning and you see something that's such an obvious question and you don't think of it. Isn't that a good question? So I saw a beautiful, beautiful answer. It's brought from the Sefer, from the Sefer Pardes Pitahya. And he says as follows. You know, if you look at it that way, you're absolutely right. But then you'd be forgetting the context within which the story is taking place. I need you to go back in time. Moshe is a little baby floating on the river, and who finds him? Batya. Batya brings him home to the house of Paro. The Midrash tells us that Paro is sitting on his throne, and all of a sudden this kid climbs up on his lap. 
reaches up and grabs his crown, right? All of the astrologists say, Your Majesty, we've been telling you about a baby that's going to be born to the Jews that's going to topple your kingdom. And all of a sudden, here's this baby, we don't know where it came from. You know, talking about shotgun wedding. Your daughter, we don't know where she got this baby from, but she didn't even look pregnant. All of a sudden, there's a baby here in the house. It doesn't even look like a newborn. Maybe this is the baby. This is what we've been telling you the whole time. So they devise a test. They devise a test. They put in front of this baby uh, a bucket of gold and a bucket of glowing hot coals. And they say to this, they say in front of Paral, they say, you know what, let's see, this is a test. If this kid is such a smart genius, you know, he's such a divinely ordained baby, he'll know to pick the gold instead of the coals. But if he's just a baby like any other baby, and you know what, he's reaching for something shiny, so burning hot coals, they glimmer more than gold. So maybe the reason why you took your crown is because it was shiny. Let's see, is he a child looking for a shiny object? Or is he a child that knows exactly what's going on? The Midrash tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu, <coughs> he was an amazing child. In fact, when he was born, he was called Tuvia by his parents because the whole house was filled with light. He was born already with a Brit Milah. This is not your ordinary baby. He reaches his hand out for the gold. But the Malach understood that if Moshe Rabbeinu would reach the gold, and kill him. So the Malach Michael, it says, moves his hand and the child moves and he takes the coal. He picks up the coal, burning hot. It's burning his fingers. So what do children do? When they burn their fingers, put it straight in his mouth. He put the coal in his mouth. And that, says the Midrash, was how Moshe got his speech impediment. Says the Paradeh Petachia. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying. He was saying, Ani aral sefataim. I have a speech impediment. How will Paro believe me? He wasn't saying because he has a lisp. He was saying this Paro remembers who I am. And he remembers that I had a speech impediment. And he knows how I got it because they tested me to see if I was a child that was gifted or not. And Paro knows that I was dumb enough to reach out, stick a burning hot coal in my mouth. He's not going to believe me, not because I don't have a speech impediment, because he's been here before. And he's done this test himself. He knows I'm a regular, ordinary kid with no extraordinary abilities. <coughs> says the Pasuk, and Hashem, if the HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Ve'ech Yishma'eni Paro, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, he commands him to go anyway, and tell him, <coughs> and speak to God the words, and speak to Paro the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Rabotai, I think there's an amazing lesson here. Moshe Rabbeinu was effectively saying that because of my previous relationship and interaction with Paro, Paro knows me to be a nobody. I can't approach him as a somebody. A lot of times, you have people who, because of a previous experience in their life, they see themselves in a certain role vis-a-vis a certain person. I'm a rabbi, I came to you from England, I have a, you know, a big organization that we start over there. I feel good about myself, I walk in here, who am I? I'm a rabbi, I'm a rabbi, I'm the rabbi from here, I'm a rabbi, the rap. You know what I feel like when I walk into deal, when I have all the rabbis that were, you know, were rabbis when I was kids? I feel like, you know, you're a kid again. 
Because what you were to someone in a previous iteration, a lot of times, it sticks with you in your mind. So Moshe Rabbeinu says he knows I'm a fraud. In psychology, there's this concept called the imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is when a person feels wholly inadequate for the role that they're playing. Someone's going to find out that actually I have no idea what I'm doing here. The irony is that usually if someone feels inadequate, they feel ill-equipped, they feel unprepared, usually that's actually a sign that they're the right person for the job. Why? Because you've all had that boss who has no idea what he's doing, but the worst part about him is that he also has no idea that he has no idea. At least if you feel like an imposter, you know that you need to go learn. You know that you need to hire someone on the team that has an idea about the finances, about the logistics, about the risk involved. Rabotai, our brains are our greatest assets, but they are also our greatest brake pads. They know how to put the brakes, the kibosh, I think they used to call it. You know, they know how to put the stop to great projects that we have the potential to be able to achieve. Because your brain starts to make you worry. The funders, the donors are not going to take it seriously. The people in the synagogue, I'm the guy that sits in the back bench. I'm not one of the boys. I'm not one of the Chalabi, the Syrians. I'm not part of their crew. I'm not part of the cabal, you know? How are they going to listen to me? I think to myself all the time, when a person hears himself saying these words, remind yourself of this pasuk. How's Paro going to listen to me? I can't do the thing. He knows me as this kid. They tested me already. I'm not right. I'm an imposter here. I don't come to what? I'm going to make it sound. I want to do this project. I'm so religious. People are going to say, are oh, you so religious now? You want to start the daf me? You're so religious. You never learned the word in your life. You can't even read Hebrew. Oh, you? You come to shul so late? You want to do that? First come to shul on time. First we'll talk about the, the Chafetz Chaim Lashon Hara group you want to start. Think back to this exchange. The Ech Ishma'eni Paro. You know why I like to think back to this exchange? Because look what happened after that. It's like a football game where they score 10 touchdowns in a row and the other side scores no points. So basically a Giants game. <laughs> 10 touchdowns in a row. What do the Egyptians do? They have no response. Moshe's worried he's going to go down and lose and instead... Ten touchdowns in a row, no response. And then he take out the Jewish people, biyadrama, with an outstretched arm. You want to leave? You want to leave in the middle of the night? No, no, no. We're gonna to leave tomorrow, twelve o'clock in midday, and somebody try and stop us. If a person approaches the life's challenges in that way, they can achieve amazing, amazing things. Who help us to see our own potential and allow us to try and do ambitious things in our synagogue, in our community, uh, achieve great goals for our family, for our self development. And Bezat Hashem rise. Amen. Amen.